ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 58 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict, and football is back literally as we speak. Football is going on and and will be for every week for the rest of the the year up until the Super Bowl. And, And not only is football back, but the prodigal host, Scott Sidlow, is back. So, Scott. How, how you doing now? How you been? And are you excited that the football is underway, even though it's third and fourth stringers tonight? Um, hey, guys. Uh, <laughs> I forget how to do this. It's It's been a while. <laughs> um, yeah, Claypool just went down. Looks like he's out for the season. So that's cool. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. People <laughs> need to stop down, overreacting to this stuff. Seriously, that's what I'm going to start with. But uh, yeah, no, man, uh, super happy to be back here with you tonight, Rocky, and we have an amazing host for my first night back, so I'm super stoked about that. Amazing guest, sorry. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. I believe you, you do have yeah, an amazing Yeah, no, we host, have a mediocre but... host, amazing <laughs> guest. Yes. We do have an amazing guest. As usual. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the now bearded Chad Parsons from uh, Football Guys and Under the Helmet. Chad, how, how are you sexy. doing tonight? Doing great. Yeah, football's here. And uh, man, I, I watch way too much preseason. I'll just say that out of the gate. Uh, but I always say there's things to glean. And it's not you know necessarily who averages the most per carry or anything like that. I'm looking at ro- rotations for running backs, especially because uh, you can find some values. You know, Who's an injury away guy? Who's actually running back three, running back four? Um, I don't really glean a ton else, but it is nice to see since we didn't see it last year. We're going to have two sets of young players that didn't see a whole lot of regular season action, maybe fringe roster guys that we want to take on, you know, so at least in August, that's what we're going to get. We're going to get a double dip of 2020 and now 2021 rookies. Yeah, it's very and I'm definitely excited to have football back. And yeah, I don't glean a ton from the preseason either. I think it tends to be a little overrated um, with when, you know, I think we all remember Amir Abdullah making that cut and uh, and running, you know, however long for a touchdown. And, and no, it wasn't a touchdown. Much. He got tracked down. And see, that uh, was the okay. funniest thing. I was like, that yeah, was there's the that right there no speed. <laughs> <laughs> he got tracked down by some, uh, it was like a safety or a linebacker or something. I'd be like, that was more telling than the breakaway. Yeah, but a lot of people, yeah, read more into preseason than I do. But it's just exciting to have it back. It's uh, I'm, you know, very happy that we're going to be having football games, very real football games very soon. That's that's the biggest thing for me. It's, it's the signal that football is back. So um, we're going to get into the show here before we get into our main topic. I did just want to touch briefly because pretty much all the stuff with it went down 
since our last show last Thursday was the Carson Wentz injury, uh, the uh, the foot issue, the the awesome five to twelve week uh, time span for his injury, which I'm convinced is, uh, you know, the Colts because of the draft pick. Yeah, as an Eagles fan, I'm convinced that's you know if we start three and one, <laughs> yes. he's out. He's out a lot longer than uh, than five or six weeks. If we start zero and two, he's coming back, and that way we don't have to give up seventy five percent is the threshold. Yes, and so about four, he's missed four or five games, and and we're screwed as Eagles fans. But out of our first round, uh, that you're assuming he plays the whole time when he comes back. See, that's the <laughs> other thing. You're like, oh, he just needs to play seventy five percent of the games. You know, as long as he gets in there, okay. <laughs> But uh, but Chad, does this, uh, given that you know in Dynasty, does this affect anything as far as Carson Fentz, Carson Wentz's value for you? Well, I think it does a little bit because you were probably looking at him as like a a streaming uh, committee guy in a one quarterback and a guy that you thought would have a pretty good floor, ceiling questionable on a team that's going to play defense or on the ball, you know. And but this is going to affect his mobility a little bit. It's also going to take away valuable games for a guy that's in a let's face it, prove it season. So I, I think that along with Quentin Nelson doesn't help guys like Jonathan Taylor, for example. Um, I know my my redraft rankings over at Football Guys, I downgraded T.Y. Hilton and, and and the notable wide receivers a little bit just because they're going to have some questions. I don't think they're going to make a big splash at quarterback just for a cross section. They're going to try to stay above water. But for Jonathan Taylor, I, I'm always going to preach just like last year. You got to be patient. He's a big time talent. And even if he gets like, I, I don't know with Naheem Hines and the the even if they run the ball a ton, I think that there's going to be enough uh, competition for touches and now the passing game is going to be a little bit of a question mark for a cross section of the year. He may be a low running back one or, or high running back two, but long-term lens. He's 22 years old. He's already off to a great start and you have to absorb some down seasons. So he's the most notable asset. And with Carson Wentz, he's still going for a first in some of these super flex leagues. I don't know how you can pay that. And I don't know how you could really say no to that because you can find cheaper guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's on a one-year lens or a year-to-year -year lens, and some of these other guys that, let's face it, I mean, Wentz doesn't have that much more allegiance for how long is he going to be a starter without a break? You know, Could he turn into Marcus Mariota where he's looking for another gig and he's a backup now? So I, I have some pause there, and I don't think the upside is super great. So I would be selling for a first. And uh, again, I just don't think the ceiling is super high when he comes back. You're almost looking at Philip Rivers last year in the sense of he was kind of, you know, QB 18, 20, 24. He was posting, but he's just not making a difference. Yeah. And I, I get the caution uh, with Wentz and especially, I, you know, with the injury, I, I did like him to bounce. I, I don't think there's any way he could be as bad as last year. Uh, but, but I, so I did like him to bounce back, especially with Frank Reich. But this, uh, you know, especially if he's at like five, four or five, six weeks, uh, I, I think it's going to be tough to get, you know, get in a rhythm. He's not going to have time with his receivers, all that stuff. Um, I think I probably would still pay a first because I think unless he's just as bad as last year, I don't know if I'd pay much more than a first, but unless he's just as bad as last year, uh, I, I think they are going to commit to him. I think he's going to be decent. Even last year, a lot of people um, don't necessarily realize when he went down, if you exclude the game, he was benched because he was got off on real life. But uh, go, going into that game, he was QB 12 uh, in, in uh, four point passing touchdown league. So 
he, he was still producing. Uh, he just was throwing way too many picks, getting too many sacks, getting too many fumbles. Uh, but uh, you have another thought there, Chad? Well, I was going to ask. So two polarizing guys you know, from a few years ago. Who do you think has more NFL starts from this point forward, Carson Wentz or Jared Goff? I think Carson Wentz. What do you think, Scott? Because Goff is cheaper. So I do think I I think Wentz is going to be a multi-year starter. I think okay. I, I think they at least give him through next year. And like I said, I still expect that he should. I mean, like I said, unless this injury and the time missed just messes him up too much. But uh, if he gets Nelson back, he's got a better line than he had in Philly. I, I just think with Reich there, he'll produce more than he did last year, and they'll be willing to stick with him with the, with what they invested in him. Well, you said you said Wentz is if he costs a first. Does Tom Brady cost that much more, if anything more, in Dynasty? I mean, if he gives you one more QB eight nine season or something, isn't that worth pretty much as much or more than if Wentz starts the next two seasons? I mean, like high impact is high impact. So I don't know. Like I would rather go like give me Ben Roethlisberger and the chance that he he produces really well with the weapons he has this year. Even if he ends up retiring, I don't know. I think there's some some pivots at quarterback that might be similar or cheaper. Would be my only would be my biggest thing. And, and I don't disagree with you. I mean, totally because I, that's the kind of thing I generally like to do. I generally, you know, Scott will tell you I buy the cheaper quarterbacks and, and those old guys you can always get cheaper. Matt Ryan might be the same cost. Yeah. So, so, but Scott, what, what oh, are your yeah. thoughts on this whole situation and and, uh, and any any of the other Colts players we haven't talked about yet? I mean, I think the thing for a lot of people I've talked to is that you've seen the upside from once, and so you know, comparing to a guy like Goff or Carr or you know any of those guys, really. I mean, it's you know he can technically do it. you've seen the magical year from those guys too i know you just but, picked two guys that definitely well, haven't, haven't shown it in a while but yeah i i get i get yeah car several years ago before he broke his back and all that but um yeah i just i i don't i don't know that like he's still relatively young but i think our expectations are like falsely um I don't, I don't know the way to put it, but like you have these, you have these guys playing. I mean, Tom Brady just turned what? 43, 44, like 44, I think. Cause Zach Wilson just turned 22. <laughs> I think is that it? And he's double, he's literally he's double, double his age. Zach so, age. so the guy's 44. And I mean, we've seen some of these guys just go long, but I, I think when we look back many years from now, they're going to be outliers. I mean, I'm not saying there's not going to be other quarterbacks that can play to 40, but I just don't think we're going to see that many do it. So to say like, well, Wentz could have another eight, 10 years. Like, I think there's just no chance he does. Like, I, I think that's a 0% chance he he would have that longevity, even if he shows flashes this year or comes back and plays well, whatever. So I don't know. I think I'd rather kind of take my chances. Like, I think we were spoiled with this rookie class, having so many quarterbacks to choose from. And that made it harder to like give up a first for a quarterback. Um, and I think next year we're going to have a lot of quarterbacks too, or at least, at least three or four. And usually someone comes out of nowhere. Well, they're, so they're replacing somebody. So every depth chart, those first rounders go on clock. Is yeah, but I'll, I'll guy, take, so. I'll take the, I'll take the chance on a guy like Zach Wilson, for example. I don't like Zach Wilson, right? I, he's, he's like my fourth <laughs> quarterback in this class, but I'd still rather have him than Wentz. You know, so like I, I just feel like there's the, uh, the unknown versus the risk that you do know <laughs> that, yeah. that the, the signs yeah. we have on a mid-career exactly. guy or more back half exactly. career guy. Right. Yeah. 
for no, sure. I, no, I get, I get that part. And, you know, obviously the calculus change, if you go down to maybe Mac Jones or especially beyond that, um, or, you know, again, if you're talking sort of Devi projection of like, oh, well, a guy that's still in college. I mean, there's a lot of risk and things like that. But I do think the retread, and Carson Wentz is certainly in that now, the retread market in Superflex is pretty fascinating. Like, I'm in this one league where they pretty much churn quarterbacks and everything else is dynasty. And so it makes it like a year to year, closer to a year to year game at the quarterback position. And so that's what makes it interesting about, you know, if you don't worry about age, you're kind of thinking of the next couple of years at most, then you realize sort of, what quarterbacks you view as stable versus not, because now you're not thinking about five years from now. And, and certainly, you know, guys like Winston or Wentz or golf, or, you know, these guys, frankly, are fighting for jobs, you know, and, and none of them, if they have a poor year are guaranteed for 2022. Yeah, definitely agree with that. And, and you, yeah, and you definitely can play, even in a regular dynasty league, you can kind of play that churning the, the, you know, the quarterback game, even in super flex, I think I've done it in a lot of leagues. You just go from your, Drew Breeses and Philip Rivers to your Matt Ryans to your Kirk Cousins to your as each guy progressively gets older they become more of a value and you, you just keep cycling through them. Well, it also seems like isn't isn't there like a you know Rivers would have that down year right where he threw would throw like sixteen picks and people like oh you know like he's on the downside you know or Eli Manning would have a horrible year but still their job was not really in jeopardy because of the track record they had built up. And it, I, I'm really becoming, as I become older and more seasoned, I'm kind of noticing who are the guys. It seems like Russell Wilson has a stink this offseason. Uh, you know, part of that was the trade maybe, but also, oh, they're going to run the ball. And, you know, uh, you know, he's not happy with the organization, all this stuff. So you can just have to, you know, Matt Ryan now, it's like even though they didn't draft Trey Lance, you know, it's like they still have sort of a, oh, well, that means he's going to get replaced next year. It doesn't mean any of this. Like, so I just, I think that you have to find who has the stink. And there's always two or three really good profile guys that, and they might be 28, they might be 35, uh, they might be 38, but they are pretty cheap compared to even 12 months ago. And, and for me, it's always tractor beaming towards those. Right, right. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll we'll finish the we'll, that'll finish up our our Wentz and our, our I guess our general quarterback talks is what it turned into. But um, we're gonna get into the, the main topic we have for the show here, which is that I, I had bookmarked a tweet I saw back in June. I want to give credit to the person, but it was uh, t- at underscore Tan Ho. Um, he said that I think the five biggest philosophical debates in dynasty fantasy football are, and he gave five different things, value versus production, analytics versus film, talent versus situation, studs versus depth, and team structure versus player evaluation. Uh, I don't really want to get into the film versus analytics thing. That's not as interesting to me, but I thought the other four could make for some for some interesting discussion. Uh, specifically, the value versus production, the first one, that's kind of been a, a pet topic on this show um it's uh especially uh the, uh the co-host we don't have here tonight andrew it's, it's something he's harped on it's something i've harped on a little bit i think we both kind of feel like that production can sometimes be undervalued in dynasty compared you know compared to age compared to security and all those things so, so where do you and i want to give the disclaimer here obviously with all four of these things we're going to talk about uh, you want you obviously want a combination of the two uh, ideally but but I think most dynasty players lean one way or the other. So, so where do you stand on, on this value versus production thing, Chad? Well, value to me is two things. You got roster value. So that is to you, 
lineup value, if you want to use that as another proxy statement. Um, so that is just, I have them, I'm starting them. Think of it like redraft if there's no trading. I mean, that's kind of how you would, you know, ongoing redraft. It's specifically in your little bubble. And then you have value, which would probably be roster, va- you know, uh, excuse me, uh, market value of liquidity. Can you move that to something else? In a general sense, when you say this player or this asset and you just say it to your league mates, what would be the general interest level? And that could be specific to a win now team or a rebuilding team or um, everybody, you know, a global asset that everyone's going to have at least some some passing or stabilized middle middle ground interest, I would say. Um, I've, I've leaned more of a kind of two roster theory, which is you need a little of both that uh, I think you can have a lot of your lineup and I'm actually kind of shifting my my way towards this and part of it is 2021 this is to me the glory days like this may go down as the best off season ever for the 26 to 30 year old wide receiver that's just falling through the floor in market value and in startup value um, that you can build. I mean, you can wait till I can never recall this. You can wait till around five or six to start drafting wide receivers. And you could still have a team that finishes top three or four of the position in your entire league with just those drafted guys. And, and that goes, you know, again, round four or five through 10 or 12 in Superflex. And uh, so to me, I, I don't care if I have, I've had Mike Evans for years. I've drafted more shares, you know, in startups or, or acquired in trades. I don't care. You're telling me he's round five, six, whatever. And next year you're guaranteeing that he's going to be around eight or something. I don't care. So, so he's falling in value. So with wide receivers, it's so hard to identify who's actually good and who's going to be a funnel, a passing game through alpha that when you find that guy, I don't care if they're 25, 22, or 30. You cannot like say, I'm not interested because everybody else is a secondary guy in the NFL. You have no idea. They might have a perfect storm season, but they you you don't know until they've done it one, two, three, four, five times of unequivocally, I am the guy. You know, I am your captain now. Like you just you have to uh, you know, take those and, and respect those profiles. And so when they get to 27, 28. It's finally when you you feel really confident in them. And yet then, then that's when you're going to start fading them because of their age. It doesn't make sense to me. So with wide receivers, I'm okay with them being old. Keenan Allen, I, I have a lot of confidence that his game is going to progress well. Now, I mean, injuries can change that. But you know what? Injuries can change the trajectory for anybody. How about Hakeem Nix, right? I mean, he was on a young, great track. He didn't make it. He didn't make it. And, and so it can derail things if you're young or old. But Keenan Allen? The route running, the technician, uh, everything kind of aligns with a guy that you wouldn't be surprised at 32, 33 years old if he's still chugging along, uh, almost like a Larry Fitz. And he's you know still 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 in your in your lineup even though no one wants to give a second for him. That's fine by me. So um, I think I think part of your and again centric to maybe your lineup, you it's okay. You know as long as you have I always say with a wide receiver core. Mix in a Brandon Ayuk. Maybe you got you know a Brandon Ayuk and maybe a Chase Claypool or you know just one or two guys. You know they Rashad Bateman. I mean, it doesn't take you know seven wide receivers that are under twenty five years old to say I'm I'm balanced. I mean, you can have a bunch of old guys and you know a couple nice pedigree options mixed in to give you some optionality for upside in the future to get you through and bridge the gap because you're going to buy other guys like Tyler Lockett. You know when they fall to the floor, so. For wide receiver especially, I think you really have to lean on roster value and kind of ignore the 
um, value for your lineup because production is king. And I'm not saying you play everything like redraft, but we already talked about quarterback a little bit. Tight end is also a position. By the time you do it two, three, four times, people might discount you for for age. So running back, I do think you'd be a little sensitive uh, with age just because the fall off can be swift. But the other passing game centric positions, I think you really have to be a little more uh, internal about how you think about value and building your team that you're setting lineups. Uh, you're, you're building the team for yourself and not for your league mates, not for the quote unquote marketplace. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you said we, <clears throat> that you specifically brought up receiver. Cause I think that is the perfect example of this. Um, I was just reading something from uh, Mike Tagliari today, um, Tagliari today that was uh, saying that the, basically their peak seasons are from like 28 to 31, um, you know, in terms of being, top five, top 12, top 24 even. So, and, and a lot of the dynasty community, I feel like is like, if they hit 28, you need to sell. No matter who they are, you need to sell because they're they're getting old and they're going to decline from here. And, and, and really, they're still right in the midst of their prime at 28. So, uh, like, why are we selling a, a Devontae Adams? If you sold Julio Jones at 28, you know, last year was a down year, but you missed probably, I think it was two 1,500-yard seasons. So, uh but but so I well, did, you finally got it right. You find that's like yes. they give that's like you you're gonna get an A on the test. All you gotta do is show up, and then you go. Eh, I'm too cool for that. No, like you finally got the answers to the test, which is Devonte Adams is good, or Mike Evans is good, or Tyler Lockett's good, or whatever it is. And then you go, uh, I got to get out of here. It's almost like I, I think it's like a relationship when it's like you have this aversion to like, I guess, true intimacy or whatever, where it's like the moment someone's like, no, 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 I love you. No, I want you to stay. I, I really I really think we have a future here. And you go, "Ooh, I got to run. I got appointments <laughs> like so I think that's the equivalency of like we, we make it too complicated, right? We want to be we want to be early and right on the next guy. So that's, that's so you was, trade for a 21 year old, 22 year old, so that you can be right when y you may shoot sharpshoot Justin Jefferson or whatever. And man, isn't it glorious? You 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 now have a 22 year old, and it, you know you're going to have five years where you don't worry, and then you're going to look out the side window and look to trade him for the next 21 year old. But you do that one time wrong, if you don't get just let's say you instead of Justin Jefferson. Uh, sure. I, I mean, or uh, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it could be anybody of of the you just didn't get it right. I mean, what if right now you earmark LaVisca Chenault, you know, and what if that's wrong? Like, what if he's what if his best season ever is wide receiver 31? Like that is rubbing it all over your face wrong. And, and you're just going to be living in that for for years. So so I think it's really important that and who knows, two years ago, someone might have said Tyler Boyd was going to be the guy, you know, or whoever came out of the gates, DJ Chark. I mean, there are a number of quote unquote wrong answers with where we sit today. If you had anointed and, and done that, that fuzzy math of I got to get younger. Yeah, you said exactly what I was going to say. I mean, it's great if, like you said, you you know transition from a Devontae Adams to, let's say, C.D. Lamb, you know, breaks out this year. But at this point, the way the Dynasty community goes, I don't even know if you can get C.D. Lamb straight up for Devontae Adams. So he's already shown a little. So it, it, when you're transitioning from one of these older guys to a younger, I mean, you really have to get it right or you're just you're screwing yourself out of possibly multiple years of production. And as you said, I mean, we play this game to win. You, you need points to win. Pretty rosters are nice, but 
I, obviously, I definitely lean more towards the production side. As we said, you want a mix. You want some of those value guys. You want, but you definitely want a good portion of those production guys. Um, and I tend to lean more towards that side. I, I'm like what you said. I, I, you know, I've seen that they've done it one, two, three, four times. That that means a lot more to me than the fact that he's 23. Uh, but but Scott, what, what, where do you fall on this? Okay, so first, let me just say, like, the whole film versus analytics thing. Like, if you're not doing both, you're doing it wrong. And it, or you just don't care. And that's fine too. Maybe you just don't have the time, or you're just, you're not in 46 dynasty leagues like I am. And that's, that's okay. Like, you can, you can have your, you can have your, uh, resources. You know, you can have your Chad Parsons and, and all these other guys that you lean on who are great with film and analytics and other things that they do. And so, that's fine. That's the same thing as if you don't trust yourself to do it or you don't know what you're looking at or whatever, you you lean on your resources. So that's really not an argument to me. Now, as far as these four topics, I think value versus production is the easiest to me. And the simplest example I can give is just working right off what Chad said. It brought up several players. So I have a roster where I have Mike Evans and Tyler Boyd and DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones and like I'm sitting here going, okay, I'm a contender. Why would I move one of these guys? Like, yeah, if 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 the right trade came along, okay. But like I we just had our draft recently. It's a it's a late one for whatever reason. And I got offered like a first and something else for Hopkins. And I was like, that's probably fine. I mean, the guy's getting older, whatever, but what his production's gonna be for me the next few years? Well, but even just that, one no, Hopkins no. season, if he gives you, you know, one season like he has in the past, like you, th- you that, that's a horrible deal for you. You have to sharpshoot the pick exactly, exactly. and you yeah, and you probably won't exactly. No and matter how you great you are, I'm sorry, you could be the best rookie drafter on the planet. And you still your hit rate is just you're not you're not gonna find Hopkins like well not just the hit rate it's the you know? high end like Hopkins yeah. again he can put up a top five or eight season that is really tough to get right even you know give you 105 every year that's tough to get for, especially from wide receiver and we just said it's hard to get wide receiver right so like you said you're sitting there with Hopkins two or three other core guys why the heck would you move off of those guys pretty much ever. And, uh, like, and it's hard to kind of see yourself as like, oh yeah, I and I earned 101 this year with all those guys. I mean, you would have to have the laundry list of injuries Literally or everything go wrong else otherwise. So you're probably gonna you're probably looking at middle of the pack or oh man, I just missed the playoffs as sort of a worst case scenario. Why would you say no to that? And it's it's exactly. funny you mentioned Hopkins specifically because these this is a perfect example of this. I got I, someone someone offered this to me during a rookie draft. Um, they, they offered me Hopkins for my one Oh nine. I couldn't, I know Jordan says like oh. the, uh, the run over the grandma. Uh, I couldn't smash except that. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. And one Oh nine, like that, that was one, one thing I was more open to this year than ever before, which is you get to the later first round, you're looking at guys like Devonta Smith again, who knows? Could he be great? Sure. sure but that's not my projection for him or Jalen Waddle. I mean, the, the dude wasn't dominant in, in, in college, and yet we're going to project him high end. I don't care where he went in the draft. Like, if you weren't strongly productive and dominantly productive in college, the odds of you doing it in the NFL are pretty darn low, regardless of draft position. So, so yeah, I was, I was trading 107 through 109 or 10 
repeatedly for, let me try to get Keenan Allen. Let me try to get Mike Evans. Like I got some of those deals done. And unless you knock on the door, you'll never know. But in the rookie draft, when you're on the clock and someone's like, oh, I can get Rashad Bateman. Oh, I can get, you know, Devonta Smith. That's your moment. They, I mean, the rookies are at an absolute peak. Veterans are, I'm not going to say worthless, but they're just not appealing. And that's when you can do the flip. And again, I mean, you're just going to, you're going to win those trades a lot. And you, that's the other thing is you can't be afraid to lose a deal. So just because let's play this out. I mean, let's say you traded for Tyler Lockett with one Oh nine and he ends up getting hurt this year. And then, you know, Russell Wilson ends up getting, you know, pushing his way out for a trade or whatever things just erode quickly. That, that singular outcome there should not say that this is not a foundational strategy or point to explore repetitively in your leagues it means that one scenario this is like you have 101 you drafted a you know uh, a, a stud running back you know you drafted uh Najee harris and it didn't work out like oh or trent richardson right you know, like you draft that and you're like oh it didn't work out well that was a that typically doesn't happen with round one running backs that go highly you know, like again outlier outcomes don't mean doesn't mean that the 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 strategy is not sound Okay, and we'll just yeah, we'll finish this. I just want to I'll finish this up by saying that it's, it's part of what I love about your pods, especially um, with you and Jordan on, on the on the football guys dynasty show. Is you, you often you guys definitely point out the the importance of points and and, and not just you uh, uh, roster you know pretty roster value or liquidity is important, but so is so are the Mike Davises and the and the Mike Evans of the world that people aren't valuing. So uh i enjoy hearing that because i feel like a lot of dynasty podcasts it's just get rid of the old guys and, and get the young guys and all that kind of stuff um but the next one uh, uh i'll throw it to you first scott is the, the talent versus situation argument and again the disclaimer obviously you want both and I, I this mostly applies to rookies when we talk about it but i think you can also sometimes apply it to to other situations like stefan diggs for example would probably be a good example of talent versus situation last year but but uh so i i i kind of think all three of us will probably say talent and dynasty but I, I wanted to get your take first scott yeah the, this one's pretty easy too i mean it's it's always talent and i know like aj brown's kind of the poster child for that yeah. um and you know what this year it's probably bateman um or at least for me it is so mm. you know i i'm always gonna bet on talent for the most part if i have two guys really close and it's like I can't really pick either way and one's maybe in a better situation to produce earlier or so I think that I might lean that way. But again, that's a combination, right? Cause there's similar talent and now you're just going with situation, but otherwise I'm, I'm always going to take the talent and, and hope it works out. Um, but you know, I guess there are times where you're like, you know, I think this CEH is the biggest one for me, right? He goes in the first round, he goes to the chiefs, and it's like every I mean, he just flew up. How how does he go to 101? I mean, he just I, it still blows my mind. But um well and, <laughs> that, and what's funny is now he's overvaluing situation. Now he's a what's interesting is he posted a success track year one and now he's cheaper. Now and he's now so people are sort of and yeah, and this is what I love is like I'm fading him for days last year, and now I'm kind of in. Now I'm actually yeah. doing some pivots towards him this offseason. Yep. And I'm like, all right, like think the situation's actually better this year where we don't think Le'Veon Bell is coming back, you know, and he got a, a year in the system. I mean, I, I think he could be a top five, six guy this year. And yet 
he's going to be the classic post-hype sleeper when after week one last year, wasn't it just bonkers? Like he was like, oh my God, he had like 150 yards. And it was like, this is it. <laughs> this is it. It's What is it? The Michael Scott? This is happening. Is it's happening. happening. <laughs> Another guy like that for me is a guy you guys talk a lot about on that football guy show. I feel like is uh, Josh Jacobs, who I, who I, I know you guys like a lot still. And I, I'm kind of warming up to him now too. Like I, I actually kind of felt that he was I, I wasn't as high on him as a lot of the community was and now but I think it's gone so far the other way now it's kind of ridiculous like is Kenyon Drake really going to play that big of a role <laughs> I mean he's Kenyon Drake so uh you want to speak to that a little bit Chad well I, I think the thing with Kenyon Drake is I started doing the fuzzy math and I mean even if he took all the non Jacobs touches from last year Jacobs could pretty much do what he was doing and Drake would have a decent stat line. So I think this could be their, you know, they're over DeAndre Washington, who's gone. Jalen Richard actually just got dinged up. I don't know how seriously it is, but um, yeah, I mean, it, if you have a two man, a two man uh, backfield there, and that's mostly it, that's 90 something percent of the touches or whatever, then you can eat. We've seen with Chubb and we've seen with Kareem Hunt. So um, I think Drake could still be, you know, a top 40, top 45 guy in PPR. And that doesn't mean Jacobs is not going to be in the top 20 or even higher than that. So I just, you know, the interesting part when you guys were going was the talent versus situation. Talent, I, I, I sort of use a proxy for that as a uh, profile. And so that could mean, again, you have draft pedigree, you have their uh, metric profile per se, you know, when they're coming out of college. But then once they get in, they're building data points. So Josh Jacobs right now, you know, two top 24 seasons, round one pedigree. Uh, I mentioned Edward Zelaya, right? I mean, he's got one year, round one pedigree, one year, finished top 20 or so, and boom. I mean, he's success track. And so they keep building on this. And what I always say is when a guy hits twice, I mean, they pretty much get into lock and load mode. And and that works at quarterback. That works at wide receiver. Um, it pretty much works across the board. And so those are the guys that all you have to do is sniff around, look around, and that should really be your target list. So for me, the the uh, the talent is really that shifting profile over and over again. And I will say, situation, I that there are some quasi static situations. I always look at contracts. I look at who's actually going to be movable. Like for me right now, Robert Woods, for example, he's kind of locked in with the Rams the next couple of years. You got Matt Stafford, you got Sean McVay. I don't know. Like that's a good situation. I don't know if it changes. So if you're looking at like in the NFL, a two year window where th things aren't really going to change, that's really kind of nice, you know? And like, so that's why, you know, Patrick Mahomes, if you get attachment with him, I know it hasn't worked for Hardman, but in general, I mean, if you get that attachment to a stud quarterback, that's when I think at wide receiver or tight end, it does make a difference. Running back, I don't know. I think things change so rapidly with a new coaching staff and you, you really do have to go all the way back to talent and profile a lot. And that's why I think Trey Sermon's going to be interesting because you know, 49ers, he got the pedigree. We know that system can put up big numbers with almost anybody. But, you know, he gets a little bit of pedigree, but it wasn't a ton. It was third round. So I think the price is fine. Uh, I haven't really situationally been this interested with the guy since Alvin Kamara went all in on him when he went to the Saints. They're not really as, a, as players, but I think there's that explosive upside potential in the perfect storm. But also there's that, see, I knew he wasn't that great, you know, in terms of like, he's got an okay profile, but if the Shanahan love and factor doesn't like multiply him, 
I, I think it'll be interesting for those that, you know, it's 107, uh, 110, something like that this year that, again, it, that is a little bit more of a situational play, the true talent play, just because there's a drop off at running back this year. That's why Michael Carter is going so high. I, I I agree with what you're saying on Sermon. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I saw your, you make a couple different faces there, Scott. So I'm curious, what, what just before we move on to the next one, what your thoughts are on Sermon's just chat brought him up. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was a positive or a negative face there. <laughs> um, so our, our good buddy, uh, John Paul Hurley, posted on Twitter the other day uh, about uh, Sermon, and I replied that in 46 Dynasty Leagues, I have zero shares. So... <laughs> He's going to be amazing. I was going to say, that, that's telling when you have zero. Because you start doing the tally at the end of your rookie draft season, you're like, yep, zero. I got zero of these notable guys. Yep. And and that's, I, I will say, I, I say kudos because a lot of times people will randomly, I, I actually know somebody uh, that they try to get between, like they want to have exposure to everybody and then they don't want to be over 20%. Like they have all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. I thought Dynasty was about who do you like and and having your sword and going into battle. Like, I'm not afraid to have 50, 60, 70% of a rookie coming out if I like him. And I thought that's what it's all about. Like, you're in and you love this price point. You love the profile. Go get them. And this whole, like, oh, I got to stop. I got 28%. Like, I thought that was like a best ball thing where you play you play 500 leagues and you're like, yeah, you probably should stop at about 30%. I kind of understand that logic. Yeah, and it's funny. I think I think... I don't know for sure, but I think I'm also at zero percent on on sermon, and I'm I'm in wow. thirty pluses myself. Wow, uh, this is an I, got, I got enough for all three of us. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't even hate them per se. <laughs> no, I, I would. I, I'll, here's price, what I will say. Yeah, I was just sermon second. over the wide receivers in that range, and over going like Trevor Lawrence. Like that was my biggest take was that running backs hit earlier. Running backs are liquid. Running backs have high impact. And wide receivers, you typically wait. I didn't like the profile. I do like Bateman compared to the others. Um, but in general, wide receivers are pretty risky to take in rookie drafts because, again, they haven't done anything. So are they going to be an alpha? Are they going to do it multiple seasons? We get a lot of false positives. And what does Sermon have to do to, to turn a profit and be in your lineup? All he has to do, frankly, is to be the 1A or 1B, which seems like a relative given considering you got Jeff Wilson out, Wayne Gallman. Uh, I mean, it's really Mostert who hasn't been healthy and Sermon at this point. I, I don't know. It feels like you said, like you were like, I got zero shares, which means it's probably going to happen. I kind of feel like logically the situation makes too much sense to actually happen that way. Yeah, and I see what you're saying. It's just I yeah, I'm playing mostly in super flex leagues, so he was going early second, and I was yeah, generally turn, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I guess I just did like the receivers more. And I hear what you're saying. There's definitely a better chance that at least you can get a flip opportunity with Sermon. Were uh, you in on Mac Jones in that same zone, that late first, early second? Uh, not really. I have a couple of Mac shares, but I think like maybe one two yeah one <laughs> so um, oh you guys you guys are like my my anti-group like it's like <laughs> like every guy we'll just swap we'll just swap player uh player shares so you guys got like three total and it's like wow i got like 15 or whatever it's like yeah i i did i actually did like mac more than wilson that's why i at least have a couple shares and wilson was always going way earlier than i would oh yeah like half so. a round right that, yeah. that to me was the insane part is that getting quarterback right 
like outside of 101s usually, but if you go 102 through like the mid first in the NFL draft, good luck getting that order right. Like who do you think's yeah. the best? Who do you think's the worst? And that's why we always think it's funny that like with the, it's it's we call kind of call it the Josh Allen rule, which is when they start fading through the floor, just take them. And like Mac Jones, for example, you're you're telling me I get a top half of round one quarterback who lit the world on fire, by the way. This isn't (laughs) like some projection guy. Like he literally was the oracle uh, for for Alabama that no one saw coming and said, Bryce Young, go sit over there. And yet he goes to the Patriots and gets, you know, 15 overall or something. And everyone's like, yeah, I can't touch that guy. I think that's (laughs) hilarious that that that's the whole thing. It's like, wow, Belichick is so awesome. And their weapons are better. I don't know. Like if Mac Jones hits, I just think it's going to be pretty hilarious because everyone was like, "Oh yeah, I was I was there the whole time." You you <laughs> passed at two hundred one on that guy. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I took him one hundred eight in our in our uh, league, Rocky, in, uh, in uh, the Tecmo, the league. recent one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I think I actually do have two shares. So, I have yeah, I, I have a couple but. too because yeah, he was fun. I think I got him at one eleven in the league, uh, but. But yeah, and part of it for me too is that I like half my leagues. I tend not to have first round picks, so uh, yeah. I, I, I trade a lot of them away in season and stuff like that. So, um, but okay, we'll move on to these last couple and then and then get to find me a trade. So the next one that was in the tweet was uh, studs versus depth, um, which uh, I think is a little bit of an interesting one. I, I think I tend to personally. I mean, obviously, we all want studs. I try to get as many studs as I can, but I do think my teams tend to have a little more depth. Um, I, I'm not uh, my rosters are generally deep uh, in most of the leagues I'm in. It's usually around 30 man rosters and starting 10. And I, I, I do like to have guys uh, behind those 10 that I feel like I can start. So, uh, Chad, where, where, where are you on studs versus depth? Well, like you said, I, th- I think if the stronger the team you are, it becomes all about studs. Like uh, I usually have this rule, like I'm trying to get one more stud a year. And like we were talking about earlier, that could be someone like DeAndre Hopkins. It could be, uh, hey, is there a slight discount on Christian McCaffrey all of a sudden? Uh, I can afford to pay two or three pieces and get them. You know? So those guys that literally you know as an opponent you don't want to play, those are the types of guys. Is it a Tyreek Hill? Can you splurge and get a Mahomes or some stud at quarterback? Even if it's a start one, you know, maybe you normally play committee, but that's the last missing piece. Um, so yeah, I think that's important. I will say depth is kind of interesting. The more shallow it is, like I've, I've started doing some, some strategy stuff. I'm in a few FFPC leagues and depth is really meaningless because the waiver wire is so close to your last few players that it's all liquid. Like you can find streamers and stuff, but deeper best ball you know that's when i i think depth is a lot more important you know and you get some of these leagues that are start 10 start 12 i mean it gets very expansive and depth matters a lot more you know a lot of the a lot of the study i've done to make uh, some of the trade calculator settings at uth is is based on that so i think that you really have to look at the type of format you're in and then number of starters um, those factors, best ball, like I said, is where depth pays, but depth is replaceable. Like I'm typically the one that churns depth for picks to try to find more studs. And then the, and then the picks again, you can maybe find studs that are just a little older, uh, with those. So, uh, that's kind of the general breakdown, uh, for me of, uh, of studs versus depth. And, uh, I, again, I think, I think with your dynasty teams, it really is centric to how good you are, because if you have one or two studs, but no depth, and you're a rebuilding team, 
the move is to really trade your studs. I mean, because it's going to take you a while to build around. So it really is situational how you think about this one, uh, what your team dynamic is, and then again, how aggressive you're going to be, and then also the format. Yeah, so I'm 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 glad you you said that there at the end because I was going to say I'm going to make it real simple. I mean, who doesn't want studs, right? Uh, but ultimately, if if I'm competing, I want to get as many studs as I want. If I'm rebuilding, it's not so much that I don't want studs; it's just that I'm likely going to trade them, and I'm probably going to have more depth because I'm churning. You know, whether it's late picks, uh, waiver wire, whatever, I'm going to keep trying to to move through that depth to acquire those studs. So yeah, that's, that's exactly how I feel about it. Um, and format is, is really a big thing too. Like in, in best ball, for example, your, your depth may not be the same as what it would be when you're setting a lineup, right? Because those, those depth pieces that are like the guy that has two big games a year, that's a depth piece for you on best ball, but it's not on your traditional rosters because you don't know when to start him. Whereas you're getting that game from him in best ball. So it's a wide receivers. Wide receivers is well, the perfect yeah. example. You have yeah. so many guys that are quote unquote best ball specials or best ball viable where good luck. I mean, you would want no part of them in, right. in a traditional league like McCole Hardman, you know, or I guess Paris Campbell or like Gabriel Davis last year. Like when do you start these ancillary guys? Well, you encompass all that in best ball, which is why I'm open to having a few more wide receivers in best ball because they're going to post a few more games, but yet it's highly unpredictable but yet they might go two two for 75 and a touchdown and all of a sudden they're in there yeah that's that's exactly right so you know format i think definitely is a big factor um but yeah i'd say that pretty much covers that uh so on to the last one here team structure versus player evaluation um so rocky if you want to like do you want to define that a little bit? Yeah, for us? I was trying. That was the most. Uh, yeah, I think kind of ill, ill-defined I, one I on there. That a couple different ways. I, I was kind of looking at it as like, for example, our, our buddy John Hogue has a very specific way he likes to structure his teams. I it he almost might go doesn't that way. matter the players. He he likes five quarterbacks and super flex, and he he carries like he picks a bunch of backup running backs, hoping they hit at some point during the season. As opposed to just, you know, going for the best players regardless of, of, of position, which is kind of the way I would tend to lean, I think. It's, it's kind of the old saying that, you know, um, if you pick the right players, any strategy will work. So so that, that that's kind of where I fall. But, Chad, what do you think? Yeah, um, I, I was going – the way I thought about this team structure would be sort of, you know, trying to rebalance your roster is kind of how – and I do that quite a bit with trading. And this goes back to the whole, you know, draft for talent, draft the best players you possibly can, or use your picks in drafts to do that, and then worry about your lineup later. You know, so if you're a little too heavy at one spot or another, you may want to stay that way. But also, you know, that's why, you know, if I get really heavy at running back, you know, that's sort of one of my things is, you know, that's a a position I gravitate towards, whether it's drafting or getting off the waiver wire. But that means at certain points, if it starts to bulge or I'm weak somewhere else, I'm going to reposition, you know, my assets and try to pick up a wide receiver and trade or I'm going to trade for a tight end. Why? It's difficult to draft one well. So those are the, the types of things where, you kind of want to look at hit rates of if I do this, whether that's Debbie or rookie uh, or just young player, and you say, well, what's the easiest and most difficult things to do within that? 
I'm going to do the opposite to trade. So, you know, you kind of have to work backwards there or what's easy to get from the waiver wire and what's difficult to get from the waiver wire, those types of things. And then you put it all together in sort of a, an, an equation there. So I would just highlight with this point the, you know, don't worry so much about your lineup, you know, in the off season. Even now, you're a month out, injuries are going to happen. Who knows what backups you have that are going to suddenly be viable. And the other thing I would say is you get to week one and, hey, I don't really have a tight end. Well, a, does that matter? B, that doesn't mean in a week or two you should just go hog wild and, you know, trade a first for Tyler Higby or something or, you know, whatever. Like you should still have patience and say, A, that might not matter. B, what if a month into the season I'm not competitive? That trade might look horrific because I was thinking so, so short term. And then C, you, again, you need to make dynasty trades at all times. So that's independent of what your team needs. I need to make a good value judgment and good dynasty trade, whatever my lineup looks like, whatever my roster looks like. And so I guess, Scott, I guess, how, how did you interpret that one? And, and, and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I kind of thought of it more as like a startup mentality um, or even like a rookie draft mentality too, as like, it's, it's always acquiring the best talent and not worrying about if they're what position they are do the are they on the same team like things like that you know i just i, I don't i don't worry about it like whatever right. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna draft how i draft regardless startup rookie draft doesn't matter um i mean ultimately i think you you have to be cognizant of the player evaluation for yourself to know the guys that you're targeting um, and the guys that you want to watch and early in the season, you can't be afraid to be patient and wait it out to kind of see where things are going, but also be able to strike when there's opportunity to say, and that's Chad, I think that's exactly what you were saying is, you know, okay, I don't have an RB two or I don't have a, a tight end or whatever it is, but if there's somebody who starts off slow or maybe they got hurt or whatever it may be, go, go get that guy because that might be the guy for you the second half of the season, or that might put you over the edge. So, um, I mean, I think team structure doesn't really come into play for me until like, <laughs> I know if I'm competing or not, basically. Um, that's, that's when it makes, uh, that's when it makes an impact for me. Okay. So I guess that'll finish up that discussion. Uh, a lot of good talk there, I think. And uh, we'll move on to our find me a trade segment which uh, this week was uh, and I, I actually I've been meaning to do this because we, we we kind of just assume that people know what we're talking about. But uh, the find me a trade uh, for anybody who hasn't heard before is uh, we have somebody send in a roster. Um, the three of us look for trades for them. And it's just kind of a way to evaluate trades and values and things like that um, with a specific roster. Uh, to kind of give a little more insight into it. So if you have any uh, rosters you'd like us to look over, or even if you, you know, you feel pretty confident and just uh, never hurts to have another set of eyes. So uh, if you want to send it in, you can always send it to, to me uh, at dynasty FF addict or Scott or Andrew or our third host or the pod at dynasty junkies that handle. So I just like to give that reminder every once in a while, but this one was submitted by Jeremy Hayes at coach Hayes seven on Twitter. Uh, it's a 12-team, it's a safe league. Uh, it's 12-team PPR Superflex 2.0 tight end premium. 
Six point passing TDs minus four for INTs. 28 man roster. Start 10, which is a QB, two running backs, three wide receivers, tight end, the super flex, and then two flex. And he said he won the league the first year, got second last year with CNC and Kittle being hurt. Um, it's, and safely, he's got pretty lucky with some trades and drafting. I could just sit on it, but never hurts to ask. And so, so he asked us to, to look over this roster, see if there are any trades. Uh, and why, uh, Scott, why don't you go over what that roster is? And I'll try and throw it up and share my screen while you're going over it. All right. So this is a pretty typical safe league setup. Um, they, they did change recently that you can't, your future picks are not available unless you pay for the future year. And I mean, I think that's that's fine. Like if that's how you want to do it, but well, they don't even appear. They don't even the, appear the until is, you pay. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like, if you trade it and then you have to pay, okay, but they're not there. So, uh, um, to trade leagues. It really, it I, really stunts trading. I do hate that. Yeah. For it, that very this, reason. <laughs> this hurts. I'm in a lot of safe leagues. Uh, I may be looking to get out of some because it, it's really if I'm a contender, it's fine because I can just pay and I know I'm going to be there anyway. And then I can have my picks to to trade away. But if I'm rebuilding like this totally screws me in my strategy. I mean, I'm constantly, you know, adding a third to move up to a second or throwing in, you know, a third to make a deal happen. You know, so it's like, have you have you seen this before, though, that I had an environment in a safe league where I traded for a pick. So I, tr I got somebody's second or whatever it was. Did you know that pick is still invisible to me? It's an added pick. It's a bonus pick. So even that one won't appear. I get my own one. So won't you appear, wouldn't be able to trade it. You still can't trade if 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 it's a four round draft. The five additional picks you've traded for, you can't trade of those picks. So I have nine picks in four in four rounds in that scenario or whatever. You still cannot trade any of those without you yourself paying. Oh wow! Let's not compute. <laughs> okay, you can just keep adding picks to your coffer. You still can't trade any away. Oh, I mean, boy. I kind of get it with something as big as safe leagues. No, I, I don't see, do it in I, any of my. I'm gonna make they the just don't want to have to manage the. Can you like if they have to reverse a trade? You have 24 hours to pay in season. Like the timeline gets so compressed, and they don't want issues. I get all that, but I'm of the ilk of why don't you just have everyone pay half of their league dues for the next year? And now everyone has all the picks. Do whatever you want. Yes. Yes. Or pay, you know, you pay two years. So you just pay a year ahead. Like half or rent, all or whatever. And, and now you have people that, oh, I, I didn't have to pay for two years. Let's see how this year goes. And I'm going to get more orphan situations to get off on a, a rabbit hole here. But just, I, I think you're going to have more transfership in those leagues because there's no deposits, because there's no investment and commitment to the future. Well, and that's that's exactly it. I think that this they've not had an issue filling orphans. So, like, in fact, some teams end up selling selling because they auction them early. They sell for more than whatever the buy-in is. So it's like you guys aren't hurting for this. So why are you doing? You know, and I mean, I I I love yeah, Scott right. and Ryan. So sorry and to I, shit on. Like I'm I'm not trying to, but it is really frustrating. The, the format is you the know. format, right? Yeah, and I feel yeah. at this point there's enough degenerates out there like us that are be like, you know, I'll turn that team around and, and we'll right. pay anyway. Yeah, I, I've taken horrible teams and 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 and, and paid for them in, in non safe Definitely. leagues. Yeah. So, but Definitely. anyway, let's get into so, the roster, Scott. <laughs> after right. we went down that that rabbit hole. So. 
Okay, this guy definitely a contender here. Um, he loses Watson, which hurts a little bit. But Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, the aforementioned Watson, uh, Jordan Love, Davis Mills, Gardner Minshew. So good, good overall. You know, two top end guys. That's that's elite for sure. Um, tight end again, two top end guys with Waller and Kittle. Some depth with uh, Drew Sample and Dalton Schultz. Uh, running back. Not so great. He does have CMC, which helps. Uh, Gio Bernard, Tariq Cohen, Kenyon Drake, Tony Pollard, James White, Jamal Williams. So guys that could fill in your your RB two spot. So that's okay if that's your your weak spot that can that can be overcome. Injury away guys there. Um, but if CMC doesn't play again, then obviously you're gonna end up how you did last year. So we might need to fix that a little bit. And then wide receiver Keenan Allen. Uh, Tutu Atwell, John Brown, Cephas, Tyreek Hill, Darnell Mooney, Cornell Powell, uh, Debo Samuel, RIP, and Michael Thomas. So um, decent decent overall. Uh, a couple high-end guys there for sure with Hill and Allen. Those guys will give you a floor and an upside, which is nice. Um, but Thomas hurt again. Debo never going to come back, so... Let's let's move on. What, what is your Debo hate, Scott? I wasn't aware of this until tonight. It's the uh, I love Debo. He's like literally one of my favorite receivers to watch, like film. Loved him in college. Loved him coming out. Had a ton of shares, but that foot issue, among all the other issues he has, I just is never. He's never going to be the same. Never going to be the same. So I'm out. I'm out. I've shed all my Debo shares at this point. I think. I, I it's funny we were, I have I have one so we we seem to be very similar on certain <laughs> players Scott <laughs> uh, you want to get into his tight ends uh, before we get to the trades yeah well I I did I mentioned them right away because okay. he's he's stacked there with uh, Waller and Kittle I missed that I'm sorry okay so let's get into the trades Scott you want to do yours first then just go right into yours yeah yeah so um, obviously uh, I I think it it behooves this. Um, our guy here, actually, um, Coach Hayes, to go ahead and pay for next year because, I mean, you're not giving up that team. <laughs> like, let's be honest. So <laughs> I, I, if it were me, I'm probably paying for next year. I'm going to take those picks and I'm going to trade them away because they're not going to be my problem if, you know, like Chad was saying, if I'm acquiring picks and I can't do anything with them, you know, whatever. It's not going to be my problem. I'll move them if I need to. Um, I'm, I'm looking at potentially moving a guy like Debo, a uh, package deal, whatever. There's, there's a lot of guys out there that love Debo and that's, I don't, I don't get it. Um, Cause I wasn't even that I, high I love on it. Even in your write up here, it said, uh, could move Debo who his career is over. <laughs> I don't think most people feel Debo's career is over. Okay. Right? Well, great. It's a great time to move him then. Um, there is, there's a couple teams that I pointed out. I think um, book of Ezekiel, he had a player, a couple of players that maybe you could try to pick off, but I think he's going to have to be patient. Um, some of the teams, it looks like there's kind of a clear divide as far as there's a few bad teams. There's a few really good teams. Uh, so obviously it's going to be hard to get the, a player like Chris Carson off a good team. If they feel like he can help them win a championship, then they're not going to give him to another contender. Um, but he's, he's somebody who I might be targeting to fill that RB two spot. Um, that other, another team is, uh, Nook, Nookum, Nookum, I guess, I guess it's a play. Oh, I get it. Nook, Nookum. Okay. Good, good one. Um, that is a rough squad. So 
that one maybe you could move Debo or and or package upgrade. Get your future picks. Throw Debo in a first for Nick Chubb and go win a championship. That's what I would be doing. Yeah, I I, I like the general idea there of, of trying to grab a running back. I, I do think, and uh, this kind of this this and actually my trade will kind of go to some of the points we talked about earlier. August actually, I do start kind of thinking about you know positions and things like that. Um, during the rest of the off season, I generally don't, but. Uh, I do start once we get into this point of the season, like we said, football is back. Uh, I do start kind of thinking about, you know, maybe a little bit more about who my RB2 might be or uh, in a league where you have to start too. So he definitely could use another running back. Um, so I think those trades that, you know, if you can pull that for, for Debo makes some sense. Um, what do you, what do you think? Can you get Nick Chubb for Debo in a first chat? Uh, maybe, you know, Chubb's recent question probably helps a little bit in terms of the stability and confidence in him but first and a player of slight intrigue even if if he both doesn't get optimal i think that's sort of the range for chubb honestly you know at his age so um yeah i i think that's a good proxy valuation is a first plus and and that certainly qualifies the first gets a little boost there with tight end premium and super flex as well and uh and, and yeah so like i said i think the idea of running back is good and uh Chad, did you? I I just realized you don't have anything on the sheet here. Were you able to find something? Or, um... No, no, I no, I got plenty. Um, I actually wanted okay. to go over a couple different because uh, a lot of times on the UTH Premium shows we talk about concepts and we use it as proxies for players. So insert player here. I wanted to talk about a couple things. Again, he's got a really good team, so uh, we are looking for ways to improve something that's already highly promising slash you know has already been a championship winner um, in this format. And I, I wanted to talk just a little bit. You mentioned that they're weak at running back and the way you attack that can be you know trading your first going after somebody in a trade but i think just volume wise it's 28 man rosters and i'm in this type of format in safe leagues which means a lot of quarterbacks are rostered more tight ends than typical are rostered which means you're gonna have some waiver you know running back twos and threes of of import available for basically free um i think there's some inefficiencies on his depth chart now I think what he's doing at quarterback is pretty sound. The ones that he has rostered, um, you know, should Drew Sample be rostered? You know, Noah Gray, I know he's got his supporters. I know it's tight end premium, but I think there might be a spot or two with tight end you could clean out. And then the specific thing I wanted to mention was the wide receiver versus running back kind of ratio here. He's weak at running back, but if, if you don't have a lot of starters, then I think you got to go towards these are different depth charts that I think could be ripe if there's an injury. Uh, they also are ones that could be ambiguous. Like he doesn't have any cracks at say, you know, one of the three or four guys on the Jets, you know, and they're they're all pretty cheap. One of them may be on the waiver wire. So having a chip in a chair in an ambiguous depth chart is a way to do that. And it's not best ball. We kind of talked about that earlier in the show that that can point to more wide receivers being on your on your uh, on your roster, but. You know, let's see what happens. I kind of understand, I guess, Quintus, Cephas, uh, but Tutu Atwell, that's a tough pick to make if it's not best ball. I know he has the pedigree. I, you know, I, I'm intrigued by him, but the ultimate upside in a head to head format color me skeptical. Um, Cornell Powell, again, I, I just, you're making these picks that I don't know what the end game here is um, for uh, Cornell Powell was like a special teamer. And, you know, so I just, um, 
so John Brown, I think you do have to hold out, for example, on him. He could be the wide receiver one for the Raiders. That makes sense. But that could be someone you end up fading off by by October if it doesn't work out. So I think he needs to. I think Debo Samuel is a good call there. But I also think Darnell Mooney, he's got some heat right now. Is he an alpha wide receiver in the NFL? Yes or no? It's rhetorical. The answer is no. So, so my point is, and you've got an ambiguous situation with their quarter, Allen Robinson. Is he going to be there ne- next year? Probably not. Maybe not. But the point is, if he goes away, Mooney being wide receiver one, I mean, that's no given or anything. Like he's a day three guy that showed some promise last year. Good promising start above baseline for where he was drafted. That doesn't mean he's a future top 20 guy. Could he be? I guess, you know, the outlier of outlier type situations. But for me, Atwell, I, I know you drafted him, but you're going to use that as a crutch. I don't know where he took him, but that's going to be something that you hold on to all year. And it's going to hold you back from a lot of running back opportunities, in my opinion. So Atwell, we'll see about like Cephas. I would make a very quick decision. If he is wide receiver two, three on that depth chart, you're probably out of there trying to flip, you know, can you just get a third move out of there? Can you flip it to a running back? That's an injury away. You got Jamal Williams, but guys like that Gus Edwards, you know, or so I would be trying to flip Mooney uh, Powell back to the wire Debo Samuel. Uh, I think you can get lean and mean because you got like, I would love it if John Brown was your last wide receiver. You got Allen, you got Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, you hold him for the midseason push. I would just, you know, shed a little bit, get more running backs. But I, I like where you're cooking at quarterback, and I, and again, the top two, three tight ends. You got no problems there. I just think there's there's three or four roster spots you could definitely do some damage that it could be trading because obviously you've got some guys that are above that threshold. But by the time week one or week three hits, I, I think you got to be looking out the corner of your eye at some of those running back situations as opposed to these pure depth wide receivers. Yeah, I like the angle you, you kind of took on doing this was, to, you know, just kind of come up with different ideas. And, and like you said, concepts, I like the idea of just, uh, you know, not paying too much and coming up with some of those uh, other lower end type running backs. And eventually, you know, hopefully between uh, all the guys you have on there, like you said, sheer volume, uh, you can maybe make up the difference of not having a running back, too. And uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely like that idea. Uh, I feel like. Uh, given some of what you said, you may not like my trade so much, but uh... <laughs> uh, oh no! Well, can I just say um, one more thing? Like, for example, I mean, I just looked up his the the free agent listings for the league, and I mean, Jarek McKinnon's out there, Matt Breida's out there, uh, Ty Johnson. I wasn't even you know predicting the future, but that's a Jets option of let's see how this goes. Uh, Larry Roundtree is he going to be you know in that top three mix for the Chargers? All this is going to get fleeced out in the next few weeks, mm-hmm. but if you have them now for a buck you know, or a $0 bid, Jake Funk. What if he's the number two guy with the Rams? Like there's four or five guys that all, all of a sudden, one of them's probably going to be a guy that you're, you glad you're glad you pick up in early August. And now it's week one and you got him. And if he was out there might be a 10, 15, $20 bid. You never know. Yep. And I'll just go into mine real quick and then we can, we can kind of finish up. So I actually did come up with a, a specific trade. Um, and my thing was, and, it kind of maybe contradicts some of what you were saying um, that I, I, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about studs versus depth. I felt he needed a little more depth um, even within his starting lineup. If you actually try and like pick 10 starters, it doesn't look great. Uh, especially if you consider Debo dead uh, as Scott does. <laughs> and especially with Michael Thomas injured, uh, he's got maybe eight solid starters. 
Um, he could maybe get away with that with the with the collection of studs he does have and Mahomes and Dak and CMC and the two tight ends. Um, so 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 maybe you can just put plug almost anyone else in there. But I I kind of wanted to fill out his lineup a little more um, to have more possibly ten capable starters. Um, so what I did was uh, I also went to that book of Ezekiel team that uh, Scott mentioned earlier. And uh, and I, I want to say, because I know Scott will think otherwise, but uh, I actually did try. I wanted to try and keep his quarterbacks intact uh, <laughs> with Dak and Mahomes because I really did like that. Um, no, you I didn't. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that, but uh, I, I just couldn't be the only the other only other option was maybe to trade from the tight ends. Uh, but I didn't want to do that either with the 2.0 tight end premium. Um, so I went to my classic move of trading down from quarterback to try and get him some depth, which is I went with Dak to, to, to book of Ezekiel team for, for Tom Brady, uh, Josh Jacobs and Chase Claypool. Um, so Ooh. I didn't do anything with picks. Um, and uh, basically my thinking was, like I said, the depth and Jacobs is an undervalued asset right now, as we talked about earlier. Uh, he's also still pretty young. Claypool's pretty young. So you, you have some security there, some upside there. And uh, Dak to Brady, I don't feel is it's, it's it's definitely probably a downgrade even in production, let alone definitely value. probably. You can't even say it. What? <laughs> definitely probably. Uh, did Come I say on. Def- okay, it's it's probably a production downgrade, um, but <laughs> um, but and it's definitely a value downgrade. But uh, I don't think you're losing a ton there. Points wise, I mean Brady's probably going to finish as a as a low end QB one. Um, we'll see how Dak does this year coming back from the injury. Um, and you're picking up, like I said, Claypool and Jacobs. The book of Ezekiel team, he has he's they're kind of a perfect match in that Ezekiel has a ton of depth that he uh, could be trading away. He has like uh, four different startable running backs. He's got Claypool's probably his wide receiver five. He has like Allen Robinson and. And uh, Hopkins and, and and some other guys, Ellen uh, Robinson, Robert Woods. So it, it, there might be expendable pieces to him. He probably should be looking to consolidate some of that depth to upgrade on his team. He's got he's got Fitz and Matthew Stafford and Brady as his quarterbacks. So I think it makes some sense on his end. Uh, and like I said, I like getting the the, the starters for for this team. So um, you both. Uh, you both have some interesting looks on your faces, so I'll go to Chad first. Uh, what do you think of that? No, I like I like what you're saying. Build up your depth. Um, the pivot down, you know, from a quarterback to, that's hot to another one that's not, I, I think is a, a foundational thing. You threw in some players that Claypool a little hot, Jacobs not. You know, that could absolutely be something that works. Um, yeah, I, I think that you have to make sure, especially when you're building up depth because you are pivoting downward, that you need to go with with foundational profiles. That would be the biggest key. Now, I'm a big Claypool fan. I was not, to be fair, I should have been bigger on him coming out because he was going at that late second, early third round range last year where, let's face it, not a lot going on. So that was yeah. a real misfire in terms of you're talking about a, a unicorn athlete size movement of what if. You know, he definitely looks the part of an alpha. Um, and so that was a part. So, we're, we're yeah, yeah. On that one, and and, and <laughs> yeah. well, some people were in. I, I do remember some league mates that like they were just like tractor beam. That was the guy. You know, if they were trading down, trading up, like it was specifically to get in Claypool zone. Um, but now with when you look at his frame, what he was coming out and then what he did year one, 
those guys hit for top 12 quite a bit. Now, he hasn't done it yet. And who knows with the competition for targets, it may not happen this year. But he's on a very good track. I'll actually be interested if if he's still the wide receiver 2-3 for that depth chart. He's one that, uh, you know, I'm going to be exploratory mid-season, maybe even January before Juju actually leaves or things like dynamics at play. Oh, Ben Roethlisberger is going to retire. I think that might be the final dip you get to actually get an affordable price point there. Um, but yeah, I, I think Jacobs, again, can you play it relatively safe? And then Claypool, again, would add a ton of, uh, of upside there. So I, I think both of you are on the right track. And the other part would be, looking at the right teams. And I think you both did that well in terms of that can be your your greatest avenue is selecting the right team for the right type of deal you're trying to do so it fits with with what they're looking to do as well. If they need a stud quarterback, if they need you know a, a something that you're strong in, that is such a natural trade fit that you can really optimize your time sending offers. Yeah, and my my other thought with the Brady to Dak to Brady thing too is is yeah, it's 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 a bit of a it's quite a bit of a downgrade, but he also has Watson, who I believe is going to play in the league again. So uh, I really think Dak is a guy you can afford to move on short term, long term. Yeah, yeah. So the, I mean, Dak. I mean, Deshaun Watson, if not this year, then in twenty twenty two becomes your QB two again. And if Brady's still in the league, he's your QB three. Um, it's it's funny how you say, oh yeah, Watson just slides in as your QB two. Like he's a QB one for a ton exactly. of people. But if you're sitting with Mahomes, you're like, yep. yeah, you're gonna be over there. You're gonna be my flex guy, okay? Okay, Deshaun, you're gonna be you're gonna be Captain Superflex. Is that okay? All right with you. We're gonna go pummel some people. Right. So Watson was another reason I was okay with the the, the QB downgrade. But uh, any uh, final thoughts, Scott? Before we we finish up here, that that's exactly what I was gonna say. With his specific quarterback group, he's got two, maybe three future starters there. So, you know, Jordan Love is probably going to start maybe next year. So, um, yeah, or at least in a couple years. So Brady can kind of bridge the gap. So if you're trying to win, like you got you got a shot there. Not that he's going to be good, but you might be able to sell him. Um, and yeah, with Watson coming back. So this might be the one time I agree. Maybe not the players you chose, but um, <laughs> I, I get I get the strategy. I get I get. As you're it. becoming I, friends, look at yeah. this. This is so nice. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I agree with the sort of things you were alluding to with your statements there. <laughs> wow, high praise. You guys should start co-owning teams together. Have you guys done that yet? No. Not no. Okay. Wow, that was yet. quickly shut down by both. If you are if you are watching the feed, they are <laughs> they're like absolutely not. I would rather live together than own a dynasty team like that guy. <laughs> Uh, I just don't think Scott was would be on board. My QB strategy is generally to fade the high end quarterbacks, and I don't think Scott would be on board with that. So, um, uh, I, I generally go into that middle tier and, and pick multiple guys. Fighting. So they're fighting. I, I will say you learn so much. You can talk to someone until you're blue in the face, but you start having to talk through every pick and trade and minutia of a startup draft and a, a league together. You you become like naked and afraid how the how the show goes in terms of because now it's like oh I see how it works in this little war room I see what you're doing like you you spout it on a show but when I see you do it highly questionable <laughs> absolutely okay so this was a lot of good discussion I, I really appreciate you coming on Chad uh, so I just want to give you a chance to to you know give everybody your Twitter handle uh, plug uh, your shows or anything else you want to plug so so go right ahead. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, great time of year to, of course, be listening to good podcasts like this. Um, I do over 250 just on the premium side for UTH alone. Um, wow. So that that is a major, you know, if you love premium podcasts, we talk a lot about trading. I do a ton of solo shows, five-minute shows, 10-minute shows. So you get plenty of episodes that you can fit into any sort of commute, walking the dog, whatever. And also have a trade calculator, rankings, all the regular stuff you would expect from a site. But get it, uh, all those premium shows uh, seamlessly on any podcasting device. Device you want. Uh, so that's over at uthdynasty.com. And then, of course, football guys, you mentioned it, Rocky. Uh, Jordan and I uh, have been active for now, I think, 60 something episodes um, where we've really spearheaded uh, a major advancement. Now there's a bunch of new shows over at Football Guys. So that's been the uh, uh, last 12 months. Um, really cool to see. And we were a part of the pilot. <laughs> I guess if it didn't go well for us, that wouldn't have, that, you know, there might not be three or four new shows in uh, 2021. But that's been really exciting to have, uh, you know, just a huge, massive audience and and kind of make it our own um and cecil lammy's been totally awesome he's the the program director over there he's been on the audible he's you know just he, he does denver radio i mean he is he is absolutely a pros pro and just to get coaching from him i will say just on on one note that so me being the the big fish in a small pond of uth basically running my own thing but being at football guys and seeing that great leadership, whether it's you know through the things I'm I'm actively doing like podcasting with Cecil Lammy, whether it's Joe Bryant, uh, you know David Dodds, you know whatever the uh, leadership structure has been over the years, it's just been so awesome to actually be a small fish in a big pond and see leadership from the ground up, and then obviously have to cultivate that myself. For you know, I, I produce most of the content at, at UTH, but still having contributors, obviously doing a ton of shows with Katie Flower, Jordan McNamara, and Tim Torch over the the span of time as well. So I love doing both, and and just being able to kind of you know ride along the tide, do my own thing, contribute talent when I can at Football Guys. But doing both has really been awesome. So I I, I always want to highlight um, all the positivity that that they create there as well. Yeah, that's fantastic, and, and a lot of good stuff uh, going on over at Football Guys and UTH. So, so uh, really enjoy listening to you. Everybody should go listen to, to Chad stuff. It's very good. Um, and I just want to finish up with some of our business here. First, I, I just want to say, Scott, I, I, welcome back. I, I appreciate having you back after your little little hiatus. This has been great tonight uh, with you and Chad. And uh, I did want to give a little programming note. Uh, Thursday at nine thirty is. In theory, supposed to be our regular time, but we keep having to move it around uh, based on our schedules or guest schedules. Next week will be Wednesday, I believe at 7 p.m., and then we should be going back to Thursday at 9.30 after that. Um, but uh, so you can just uh, follow me at Dynasty FF Attic, follow Scott at Scott underscore Skidlow, uh, follow the pod at Dynasty Junkies, and also make sure you're following the DAP network at DAP underscore network. Um, you can see on there when we go live. Um, also, if you subscribe to the YouTube and, and, and hit the bell, you can get notified when we go live on YouTube as well. And um, just also make sure you are following both there on YouTube and on Twitter. I think that's it. So, oh, subscribe, rate, and review. Okay, I'm done. Scott. Junkies out.